Welcome to the No Fluff Network Marketing Leadership Training Podcast for serious-minded, deep-thinking, career-oriented network marketing pros who are sick of the fluff and appreciate the truth. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Now here's your host who has produced over 200 hours of real-world training for the industry, 30-plus years network marketing pro, Dale Calvert. How many of you know somebody that something is always happening to them? They've either lost their checkbook or their car keys or their dog or their job or their house or their spouse. I mean, something is always happening to them. I flew into Fort Lauderdale a couple of weeks ago. The limo driver picked me up. We were on our way to the hotel. We're talking about a recent hurricane that I had been in. And uh, he said, you know, there's another limo driver. We call him Captain Kirk. He's a space cadet. He said if it wasn't for bad luck, he wouldn't have any luck at all. He has an expensive limo. He knew the storm was coming. And we told him, you better put it in a garage. He said, I'll do you one better. I'm getting out of Fort Lauderdale. I'm driving to Vero beach. He said, guess where the hurricane hit? Yeah, Vero Beach. And that's some folks that like the guy sitting on a bar stool staring down into the bubbles in his beard. <laughs> I've been laughed at. I've been lied to. I've been cheated. I've been kicked cussed. And the only reason I didn't hang around here is to see what's going to happen to me next. <laughs> you know, life is just one great cosmic conspiracy that has singled them out for abuse. Yeah, just things always happen. Always just kind of, you know, watching and, and waiting, you know, just, they just, they just let things happen. Proactive people, they make things happen. How many of you know there's not enough good stuff that's going to happen on its own? You're going to have to get out and make it happen. And I'm not talking about being premature. I'm not talking about pushing and shoving. I'm talking about recognizing an opportunity while reactive folks are sitting there scratching their heads waiting for all the green lights. You just take off. And you take the red lights and the green lights as they come. You see, our world is a study in perpetual motion. Life is just one great phenomenal motion. From the earth's crust to the cells subdividing in our bodies, there is continual action. And unless we act, it is all but certain that we will be acted upon. Reactive people, they worry a lot. Can you think of any good thing that comes from worry? Can you think of one good thing that comes from worry? Anybody? One lady in L.A. raised her hand and said, well, I'm going to help you lose weight. <laughs> and I had to agree with her. There's nothing like a good clinical depression to take off 30 pounds. Feel like shooting yourself, but you won't because you haven't looked this good since you were in high school. But aside from that, is there any one good thing that comes from worry? Can you think of one good thing? Hey, folks, most of what you worry about ain't going to happen. And if it does, you've got two options. You can either take care of it or not take care of it. Now, if you can handle it, why worry? And if you can't handle it, why worry? Proactive people, they are not naive. They understand that our economic future is bleak unless we take action. But rather than worry, they simply plan. Reactive people complain a lot. you know any recreational uh, complainers that are always focusing on problems? Huh? you know people like that? I mean, they criticize a cure for the common cold. I swear it doesn't get too dark, but that they can't pull the shades down. Always complaining. Couldn't make them happy if you hung them with a new rope. And problems. Always focusing on problems. Now, I want to just, this isn't going to cost you anything here. I just want to tell you something. Be very careful who you tell your problems to, all right? Only tell your problems to people that are in a position to help you, all right? Only 
in a position to help you. You don't have to talk to your hairstylist. You don't have to talk to the kid that carries your groceries to the car, the guy working at the filling station. How many of you know people that are just always talking about the bad stuff that are happening to them? How many of you would agree with me that most of the folks that ask you how you're doing don't really want to know? 80% of them don't even want to know, and the other 20% they're glad it's you and not them. And another thing, be very careful who you share your dreams with. Be very careful who you share your dreams with because reactive people are going to treat your precious dreams like a clay pigeon at a ski shoot. You're going to come in the house all excited, been to an opportunity meeting, been to a conference, and you're going to sit down and say, not going to believe what's happening. We are in a great global economic shift. Our economy is changing. That's the bad news, but the good news is that we are in an industry that's going to provide us with the greatest economic opportunity we've ever had for the first time in our lives. We have easy access to the free enterprise system. Darling, hear me out. Don't. <laughs> They're going to sit there with that sagacious expression on their face. Losers tend to look sagacious at times. Let's see now. As I recall, there was Amway. Then there was Mary Kay. Then there was Tupperware. Then there was the Chinchilla Farm. And then, you know... I can tell you ten reasons why this company is never going to get off the ground. And if they do, I can give you a hundred reasons why they won't last more than two years. I love the way reactive negative people can be so precise. I mean, one reason will do. Either it works or it don't. But they can give you 99 more to make sure that sucker's dead. Just in case there's a flicker of hope left in your eyes. I'm sorry, but I get so tired of the losers driving their Etzels with the Nixon Agnew bumper stickers, crawling out in their polyester double-knit suits, hot pockets and bad haircuts, telling me it can't be done. Hang out with folks that believe it can be done. If you want to make $150,000 a year, don't hang out with folks that are making $20,000 a year. And yeah, but what if I'm married to them? Well, I don't know what to tell you on that. <laughs> Proactive people think in terms of solutions. S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S. That's a U. Okay. Okay. There's got to be a solution out there somewhere. Would you agree we live in a very negative society? That's the reason we need these kinds of conferences. Oh, the raw, raw. We don't go in there and all the motivation where you want them there. Yes, I am. I need motivated. I need somebody to light a fire under my butt every once in a while. Y'all sitting there looking at me like Richard. We live in a very negative world. Most of what makes the front page of the paper is negative. Just on and on, the same, oh, same, oh, same. If I never hear of the Menendez brothers again, when are they going to go away? <laughs> and Tanya Harding and Joey Badafuco and all the mouth Jason. Elvis is dead. <laughs> <laughs> comes a time when you just move on seven wisest words I ever heard in my life are when the horse is dead get off <laughs> you can stroke it and groom it and feed it but when it's dead it's dead my management stylist please don't come to me with your 
problem, you know, if you haven't given some time to solutions, I made the calls and I read the books and I listened to the tapes and I just, you know, if you're like, well, would you like to have a little bread and cheese to go with your wine? (laughs) (laughs) Proactive people think in terms of solutions. Reactive people plagued by guilt. Now, I understand good guilt. Good guilt. I just finished writing a work called How to Survive the Death of a Dream so you can live the dream again. It's all about turning life's challenges into personal achievement. I have a background as a counselor. I understand the role of guilt in the recovery process. There's good guilt, but then there's bad guilt. You know, good guilt is when you repent, make restitution, and move on. Bad guilt is when you're just beating yourself over the head all the time, and you just, you know, I mean, people with character disorders, you know, they're the kind of folks that make everybody around them miserable. Neurotic folks, they make themselves miserable. They just, you know, it was me. I'm the one. I'm behind the Great Depression and the Holocaust. I killed Jimmy Hoffa. It wasn't OJ. It was me, you know, and just on and on. Let me tell you something. You can have too much therapy I swear and I have been involved in on the the counselor's side of the desk and you can have too much of that stuff. let me tell you when you walk into you know a uh, 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 grocery store and you check your groceries and they've rung up your bill and you starting to write a check and as you hand that check to the cashier that cashier looks at the check and says I need your driver's license and I need your bank guarantee card you know you've been watching too much Oprah if when you hear her say I need your bank card you need you need why is that all I ever hear you need what about money when you can't even go to a football game because every time the team goes into a huddle you think they're talking about you you probably had too much I swear, and I have no problem with recovery movement, I have no problem with 12-step programs, but where is it written we must define ourselves by the deficits in our character? I slide into a seat, we're waiting for the, the flight to take off, and the flight attendant comes back, can I get you anything to drink, Mr. Nye? I guess I'll have a nice white wine, so we sit there and we're uh, chit-chatting. I turn to the person next to me, well, him I know that we're going to fly from Phoenix to Atlanta. i got three and a half hours with this guy, I nod, I smile, hi, how are you? My name's Richard Nyhart. hi, I'm Wally Seymour. What do you do for a living, Richard? Well, I'm a professional public speaker, whatever that means. Uh, no, put your wallet away, uh, Harvey, I'm not on duty right now. What about you, uh, Harvey? And Harvey says, well... I'm the adult child of an alcoholic codependent with a marginal obsessive compulsive disorder. You you can watch too much of this stuff. I swear, and I know I got three and a half hours next to this guy. I learned this from John Bradshaw. You can try it. If it works for you, fine. If not, just forget it. But if you're on a long flight and you don't want to be bothered, you don't want anybody talking about you, I found that by just simply putting a piece of string in my nose. No, I swear it'll work. People will leave you alone. Even the flight attendant. We'll leave you alone. <laughs> Proactive people are into change. They're into change. And that's, that's really what this time in our lives is all about, and the lives of the people in your organization are all about. But I'm, I'm going to come back to that in just a second, but before I do, here's the swan song of all reactive people. I'll try. Everybody say, I'll try. Oh, that's powerful. Now, I'm not up here to play word games. Before the day is over, I'll probably use the term try. But with respect to our transcendent dreams, what is wrong with try? You're not going to do it? It's a cop-out? Can you really try anything? Has anybody ever tried skydiving? Besides, Besides Rod. Yeah, Rod, you're a skydiver. 
stand up. How tall were you before you started skydiving? <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, one guy shared the experience with us. He said, oh, well, we went up in the airplane, and we got up about 10,000 feet. We opened the door, and um, well, it was real windy. It was real cold. And I looked down, and it was a lot higher than what I thought it would be. <laughs> so I told him to shut the door. I said, you didn't jump? He said, no, but I tried. <laughs> I said, no, that's not, not it at all, sir. You basically went for an airplane ride with a parachute on. Yeah. Yeah. Gal, if I'm drowning in a river, don't come running. Oh, y'all are from New Mexico. Sorry, a river is a body of water. It's kind of low. Yeah. Um, if I'm drowning in a river, don't come running up to the bank and say, hang on, Richard, I'm going to try and get some help. Please do not try and get some help. Get some help. I'm a dead man. Yeah. There's really no such thing as try. It's kind of like what Yoga said to Luke Skywalker in The Empire Strikes Back. Try? What is try? Either do or not do. There is no try. What about proactive people? Are they going to try? What about them? They're going to do it. Everybody say do it. It comes down to the doing, folks. And I wish I could stand up here and tell you that it's always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. But fortunately, it's not always going to be hard. But if it's easy, do it easy. If it's hard, do it hard. But either way, just get it done. Proactive people. They're going to do it. Now, let's come back to change. Is it possible for us and the people in our organizations to make these kinds of changes? Is it possible at this age? I mean, we're not kids anymore. I mean, I'm going to be 44 in a few weeks. I know exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> I know I don't look it. Thank you for that. You're so kind. You're so spontaneous. <laughs> Can we make these kinds of changes? Can we? Yeah? Garvin says sometimes you can. It, it is po- it, it, you're saying, it, though, that it, that it is possible for people to change? Yeah? Okay. What about genetics? What about environment? How many of you, the older you get, the more, you know, you start reminding yourself of your parents? It's kind of scary, ain't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, most of us believe it's possible to change. How many morning people do we have here? By that, I mean your energy level is highest early in the morning. Let me see your hand. Okay? Yeah, you're the people in the in the room next to mine. It's 4.30. You've got the TV on. The shower is on. You're singing, Oh, what a beautiful... And I'm over there in the pre-dawn feeling around for my shotgun. How many night people do we have here? Come on, night people. Let me see your hands. Come on, night people. Don't you think if God would have wanted us to see sunrises, he could have made them later in the day? <laughs> That's right. The kid dad kicked him out of the house and said, go get a job. So the kid goes out, spends a couple of days. Somebody hires and says, I want you back here tomorrow at six to move this stuff. So the next evening he shows up. <laughs> and the guy's backing out his truck. And the kid walks up with a big silly smile and says, well, where do we start? And the boss gives him this hairy eyeball and says, I told you to be here at six. And the kid looks at his watch and he says, well, it's five till. He said, I meant six this morning. He looks at his watch again and goes, well, dad, you, you mean there's two of them? Now, night people, night people, let me see the hands of the night people again. Come on, night people. All right. Now, let's just say we are on an island, and this is called Paradise Unlimited, and we've got five weeks of fun in the sun. Now, there's nothing for you to do, nowhere for you to go, 
How many of you, at my suggestion, and we go back all of about 45 minutes here, how many of you on the basis of my suggestion would get up at 5 o'clock every morning for the next five weeks? Let me see your hands. How many of you? All right. Great. How many of you say, now, heart, you're going to have to do better than that? Let me see your hands. All right. What did I leave out? A re- oh, you want a reason. You want a why, do you? How many of you... What? You're still up. <laughs> you just go stay up, all right? <laughs> Where are you from? Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Oh, you got some fans back here. Y'all love Toronto. All right. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't give you a good enough reason. Is that it? What if I gave you a good enough reason? Would you at least reconsider? How many of y'all know what a 357 Magnum is? <laughs> the powerful handgun leaves a big hole. What if I said, I'm not asking, I'm telling. I want you up at 5 o'clock every morning for the next five weeks, or boom, your history. Now what are you going to say? Yeah. I'll try. <laughs> you going to try? I ain't going to try. I'm going to do it. It's what I call the R word, and it's not revolver. It's reason, and I want you to remember this, ladies and gentlemen. You can be, do, and have. Anything you want in your life, personally or professionally, if you have a good enough reason. And I'm convinced this is where we're missing it in America and in Canada. North America, places that have thriving economies, we don't have a good enough reason. And I submit that making a lot of money someday is not a good enough reason. If making a lot of money someday were a strong enough motivation, there would be more Ferraris and less Fords. There would be more Amanis and less Wards. There would be more horse ranches and beachfront properties and less high-density apartment complexes and trailer parks. You see, this is North America. We can boast of the most affluent society in the history of the world. Were we to use Maslow's pyramid as a point of reference, 98% of our physiological needs are met at any given moment of the day. We're coming out of an industrial age where our jobs were secured by organized labor. We've been environed and conditioned to having everything right there at our fingertips. We really don't have strong enough reasons to do what we do. Once you can identify those reasons, ladies and gentlemen, you can be, do, and have anything that you want. Picture a grandmother driving down a country road. As she drives down the road, she listens to her grandbaby in the back seat of the car. The grandbaby's strapped in, playing with her baby doll, singing her little grandbaby's songs. And as grandmother comes around the curve, a pickup truck swerves into her path. She sees a certain head-on collision. To avert this collision, Fred, she instinctively wrenches on the wheel, and the car leaves the road. As it hits the ditch, it flips, and it rolls in a sickening thud, 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 over and over, finally rumbling to a rest on its roof. This grandmother crawls out through that windshield. Her clothing is ripped. Her body is gashed. As she stands there in front of this overturned car with blood, hot red blood running down her face. This car swims into focus. She sees the wheel spinning. She smells the smoke. 
And at the very instant she sees the first flames burst from that engine and start dancing down that chassis towards the gas tank. She hears a horrified scream. Grandma! Grandma! She looks down and she sees two tiny tennis shoes sticking out from underneath that overturned car. What is that grandmother able to do? She can lift that car. Dave, how can she do it? How can she do it? We can talk about endorphins. We can talk about adrenaline. I submit she is able to do in those circumstances what she cannot do otherwise because she has a good enough reason. And ladies and gentlemen, we ourselves are on the cusp of new opportunities. We're some of us entering into uncharted territory. And not only are we venturing where we've never been before, but we're bringing along behind us men and women that are sharing our aspirations and our hopes for the future. And let me tell you something, that constant attrition of just the day-to-day living and the fear of the no and that sense of rejection and the procrastination and I'm tired and I'm still working my job how I'm going to do this. I don't have a background in sales and I don't have developed social graces and I'm not a great communicator and I don't have a broad point of reference as far as interesting. How? Let me tell you something, folks. You can be, do, and have anything you want if you give yourself a good enough reason. You'll find a way to get this done. And I don't know what your reasons are going to be. I don't know what your reasons are going to be. They vary from person to person. But once we identify them, they become that primary motive force that drives us in the direction of our dreams. How many, how many parents do we have here that have children under, under the age of 12? Any parents that have a children under the age of 12? You're, these are the girls from Toronto? No, you're not, no, you're from, are y'all from Toronto too? Are you yeah. from, oh, you're from Alberta, okay. What's your name? Trish. Hi, Trish. I'm Richard. Nice to meet you. You have a child under the age of 12? Mm-hmm. The name? Two. Two. Okay, well, the youngest. Davis. Davis? Davis? How old is Davis? Four. Davis is four. All right. Trish has a four-year-old son. His name is Davis. She's from Calgary. Okay. Now, uh, I would I would suggest that you're somewhat money-motivated. You wouldn't be in the industry. You like money? I like money. Y'all like money? Yeah, I like it. I've had it and I've not had it. And having it is better. I like the color. It it goes so well with everything. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Trish, uh, do you know what I mean by an I-beam? You know, know, it's a steel beam. It's kind of holding up this hotel here. Underneath all this plaster and stuff are I-beams. Okay, you know what I mean by an I-beam? Okay, when you look at it on the end, it looks like an I. Except when you turn it up on its side, then it looks like an H, and you have to call it an H-beam, I guess. Uh, no, okay, it's an I-beam. Now, let's just, let's just say that there's an I-beam, and it's stretched uh, the length of this of this uh, auditorium. It's 120 feet long, all right? It's right on the ground. It's about this wide, and it's about this deep, all right? Would you be willing to walk the length of that I-beam without stepping off for $100? Sure. Sure, no problem. Okay, good. Now, I want you to stay with me, okay? Because we're going to load up this I-beam, and we're going to take it across the country. Have you ever been to New York City? Never been to New York City, but you've seen pictures of New York City. Okay, y'all from from Toronto, you've been to New York City. I'm I'm assuming. Been to the top of the trade towers. Okay, these are the two tallest buildings in the world. How many of y'all ever been to the top of the trade towers? The two tallest buildings in the world. They are 1,350 feet tall, folks. Yeah, they are so tall that they have a built-in sway factor of six to ten feet. When you're up that high, the wind is blowing anywhere from 30 to 65 miles an hour. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, <laughs> what we've done, she's, I guess she's ahead of me here. We've laid this I-beam between us. You don't want to make another $100? You sure? She wouldn't do it? The wind's, it's raining, not a bad rain, kind of a drizzle. The wind's, the wind's not bad, uh, Trish. It's only blowing about 35, got up to 45. You wouldn't do it. Now, for a hundred, would you do it for a thousand? No. Would you do it for ten thousand? No. Would you do it for fifty thousand? No. Would you do it for half a million? No. A million? Tax free. <laughs> You're from Canada, yeah, that means a lot. <laughs> she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. She would not walk that avenue, that same avenue, she wouldn't do it for a million tax free dollars. I'm fixing to make you mad at me, but don't hit. Because I'm old and I have a very low threshold of pain. Okay, now, let's just say that I leave, and you look across, and as the clouds part, you see some sinister figure, and in his hands is your four-year-old baby boy, and he's Davis, and he's holding that child out over the side, and he's threatening to drop the child unless you come. Now, what are you going to do? Now, she'll walk. Now, she'll, she will do for her child what she would not do for a million tax-free dollars. And you'd probably make it. Because what we just identified is your good enough reason. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, when you can identify those reasons, you can be, you can do and have anything you want. You can do things that under normal circumstances you cannot do. I'm passionate about this. I know that I come on strong, but I had to fight my way to this point. Uh, I know it's easy to, to assume that, you know, I was just always out and about and it's interesting as we the plane settled down over Las Vegas last evening sitting there in the first class section I thought wow <laughs> who has ever thought that I'd reach a point in my life where I'd be flying in to speak to such an august body as the multi-level marketing international association I know that we have corporate directors here I know that you've forgotten more than what I may know about the industry and I feel so very fortunate to be a part of something that is an answer and is a hope to so many people. I carry this watch to kind of remind me of where I started, kind of keeps me on track. See my watch? And you'd never guess from my urbane mannerisms and sophistication, but <laughs> I'm one generation removed from a hillbilly hog ranch replete with outhouse and bootleg whiskey. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I want you, this is the first time anybody outside of my immediate family has ever seen these. This is where I started. <laughs> that was my house. Right there, yeah. <laughs> I've had the suspenders. Yeah, been around. <laughs> that was my house. You want to see my house? That's a 47 school bus. That was my house. That's where we lived. Here's another pretty cool one. I never wanted to show these because I've always been ashamed of my past. I thought people would think less of me if they knew how poor we were. That tent, that was our house. Whoops, it's over on the wrong side. That was my closet. I carry this watch to remind me of where I started in life. This watch, this watch is the watch my father was wearing. When he was killed in a car wreck almost four years ago. I never really knew my father all that well, but I knew him to be an intelligent man. I knew him to be an articulate man. 
I carry this watch not because I knew him so well. I carry it because of what it says to me with respect to my own dreams and my own purpose in life. My father was killed on Christmas Day. I was, I was born on Christmas Day. My father was 40 when I was born, and I turned 40 the day that he was killed. And I'm not off into hocus-pocus, but if ever it seemed that life was trying to say something to me, it, it was at that time. I'll never forget sitting up the night after my father's funeral. I sat up late into the wee hours of the morning, and I asked my oldest brother about my father. One of the questions I asked him was, why? Why was it that our father, being so bright, being so articulate, the kind of man that could discuss intelligently almost any subject from politics to prunes, why did he die so poor? After 80 years on this earth, my father's total accumulated wealth amounted to less than $30,000. Why? And I'll never forget what my brother told me. He said, you know, Rick, I really believe that our father got more pleasure from telling people what he was going to do than from doing it. And that cut through me like a knife. And Garvin, I realize that within my nature, I may well have the genetic predisposition towards dreaming without doing, projecting without performing. Easier to preach than to practice. He lived his life that way. And I think we've all got to come to a place in our lives where we want something more than that. It's like the great Indian poet, philosopher Rabindranath Tagore. He said, I'm dying with my songs of life left unsung. I've spent my entire life stringing and restringing my instrument. A couple of nights ago, I flew in from Syracuse, New York. It was Thanksgiving. I was laying back on my bed, just kind of channel surfing, just kind of vegging out. And I come across a movie called Educate and Rita. It was about a young English girl that came out of a working class section of England, and she decided that she wanted to leave the crudity and the vulgarity into the world of Prowse and Yeats and Shakespeare. She was in a family that didn't want her to change. How many of you know it's the people that are closest to us that are going to want to hold us back? And she went to a tutor played by Michael Caine and he lent her some books, valuable books. And While her husband was downstairs banging on the walls, she was upstairs stretched across the bed with her nose in the books. And to listen to her talk, you'd never guess that she was anywhere within a million miles of the world of Shakespeare and Tchaikovsky. And instead of going to the pubs, she'd go to the tutor. And one night her husband flew into a maniacal fury, picked up the books, went out behind the house, made a pile, ignited the books into a fire. She watched as her Shakespeare and her Tchaikovsky and her Proust went up in flames. She didn't go to the tutor that night. She went to the pub. She sat there in the pub and she listened as all the working folks sang their body vulgar songs. She got up and she walked out. And the next scene finds her coming back 
She never knocked. She just always pushed this door open and walked in like she had a right to be there. She stood in front of her tutor. He was saying, where have you been? I wondered where you are. Why didn't you come? She said, uh, went to the pub. Said, and you know, she said I was sitting in the pub and everyone was a-singing. They were singing the drinking songs. And as I was sitting there with the beer and I was listening to the songs, she said, I turned and I looked at my mom. My mom was quiet. And my mom was crying. And there was tears running down my mom's cheeks. And my mom was saying, Surely, there must be better songs to sing. And that's why I'm back. Give me some more books and let's get on with the learning. There's a lot of people that are living in our cities. They're on our freeways. Going to the dead-end jobs and they're wondering about an uncertain future. And they may not put it like that, but they're just wondering. And believing that surely there's got to be some better songs to sing. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what network marketing is all about. Is giving this country a better song to sing. The people that are going to learn that song are going to learn it because they're hungry. That's why I carry this watch. That's why I look at these pictures from time to time. I found, kind of like the way Les puts it, he said, if you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight for it, to work day and night for it, to give up your time and your peace and your sleep for it, and if all that you dream and scheme is about it and life seems useless and worthless without it, and if you gladly sweat for it and fret for it and plan for it and lose all of your care of the opposition for it, and if you go after what you want with all your capacity and your strength and sagacity and your faith, hope, confidence and stern pertinacity, if neither cold, poverty, famine or drought or sickness or strain on your body or brain can keep you away from the thing that you want, if dogged and grim will besiege and beset it, then with the help of God, You'll get it. And that's all i got to say. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you very much. Oh, I hope you enjoyed that. My my late friend, Richard Nyhart, who actually died about 12 years after this was recorded. Uh, we actually had him come and speak for our organization. I'm trying to find that talk as well. Uh, I hope I can find it. I've got it on VHS somewhere. And I'm <laughs> every time I go back to Kentucky, I'm going through my warehouse trying to get rid of stuff and find stuff that I know is in there somewhere. And if I can find it, we will convert it to audio and get that to you as well or put it on one of our membership sites. We'll do something. But I thought, you know, I hope you enjoyed it. I, and it's just truth is truth, guys. Truth is truth. I love what he said in the beginning. You know, you, you, you don't you don't uh, build your dream sitting in a seminar. <laughs> you don't build your dream sitting in a seminar. 
Yeah. The start stops most people. The action takers are the money makers, and you just got to get in action. And I love that, that he didn't pull any punches, you know, that, that your people, you know, he was talking, he was talking to a lot of owners of companies, and there was some distributors there. But if your people don't know why, the how doesn't matter. Everybody's worried about the how, and you got to help your people get real with their why. Get real with your why. Real with it. And I've said a thousand times, the only reason I have the privilege to speak in front of a group or to do these podcasts is because at age 20, I decided I was going to get to $5,000 a month so I could get out of my job. I was going to take my family to Hawaii one day and I was going to know how it felt, how it felt to drive a brand new car. And if it wasn't for those three reasons, I wouldn't be here. I know I wouldn't be here. So I hope you enjoyed Richard Nyhart. Uh, you can still find his book uh, on Amazon. Uh, it's it's uh, How to Survive the Death of a Dream, Richard Nyhart. I hope you'll check that out. Uh, he, he was a very, very unique human being. He had a background in psychology. Uh, he was a pastor for a while, was an evangelist. Uh, but he understood, he understood what he tried to communicate and what he, he, he said. But this is the thing I hope people don't miss, that most people, most people are reactive, not proactive, reactive, not proactive. And I believe if you're going to maximize your potential with the network marketing business model, you have to make a conscious decision to be proactive, to be proactive. I can remember early when I first started and, you know, I, I had follow-up calls to make and my friends would call, hey, Dale, we got Jim at Great Crossings. You want to come play basketball? We're gonna, we need one more. We need three more people. We, can you make it? And it was like, I have call schedule. I can't do it. And, you know, I had to give up softball. Uh, I, I had to give up lounging, doing nothing, just wasting time. And it was really hard. But when you're part-time, you've got to really focus in on those things that will move your business forward. And you have to be proactive. You have to be proactive learners. Like you guys are listening to this podcast, proactive. You have to consciously Schedule time for your business consciously daily or weekly at least. Schedule time for your business because when you do it, when you get motivated or when you have time, most people have not learned how to motivate themselves and they definitely have not learned how to manage their time. So there's reasons people fail and there's reasons people succeed. And I love what he said. It's like when he looked at Think and Grow Rich and he said, my gosh, this was written in 1930s. Uh, everybody knows it. I'm left out. It's over. It's over for me. This was written years ago. Everybody's going to already know the secrets to success. I love that because has it changed? It's even more that way today than it's ever been. Everybody looking for the foo-foo dust. Everybody looking for the magic formula. They're looking, I, I, they're, they're looking for people that will tell them what they need to hear. And it, the reality is it's right in front of you as it was in front of me. And some people see 
or they look and it's so clear. It's so clear. The answer is so clear that it's like a window and they look right through it. They look right through what's staring them right in the face. Has stared us all right in the face way before I was here and will be here way after I'm gone. And it just is what it is. But then I want it to be this. I want it to be fun. I want it to, I don't want it to be uncomfortable. I don't want to have to expand my comfort zone. I, I don't want to feel that rejection. I don't want to have that fear. I just want, I just want to, what you really want, you want to win the lottery. That's what you want. Successful people are willing to do for a short period of time what most aren't. So they have choices and can do for the rest of their life what most people can't. Yes, early, early, I gave up a lot of leisure. But now it's real simple for me. It's real simple. It's just, it's simple. When I work, I work hard. I, I'm focused and I'm committed and I have specific projects and I don't dilly-dally around and I don't waste time. And when I'm not working, I don't think about it. I take it all in. I enjoy my grandkids' basketball game. Don and I go on a date night at least once a week. We, we, we go on a couple, three vacations a year. Um, we enjoy our families. And it's real simple. I, I don't waste time. I don't spend any time with people that I don't enjoy being around. And that includes my Sunday school class. Um, I just don't do it. I, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't know if it's a validation or what. I don't, I don't know what it is. And it doesn't really matter to me because I know I don't need it. What the way I operate works well for me. And it's maybe it's not the way most people do. But when I get up in the morning, I have a very specific routine. Uh, at night is my learning time. It's my education time. It, you know, one or two in the morning. And I have my journal and I have my notebook. And I don't waste a lot of time during the day trying to learn something unless I'm in an immersion stage, which I'll go through usually the last month of the year. And I wait and I don't try and I immerse myself if I'm trying to learn a new marketing idea, technique or, or whatever. And it works for me. Uh, and the frustrating thing, if you listen to entre entrepreneurs and I don't care what they're talking to, who they're talking to, if they're, if they're teaching real estate investment or they're teaching how to invest in uh, any uh, tax lien certificates, uh, Roth IRAs, whatever. If they're teaching investment strategies or how, whatever, is the frustration comes because you're trying to teach reactive people to be proactive. And the question that I would end this session with, and it's just you and me, and I can't see you. So answer yourself honestly. Are you reactive or are you proactive? 
And if you're reactive, you must become proactive. If you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to build a team, and if you're proactive, you, you gotta, you gotta, you got a couple steps ahead. You do. But what are you proactive doing? Because the time, energy, and effort, where are you spending it? Who are you spending it with? You must become a student, a student of leadership and a student of people to maximize your upside potential with the network marketing business model. I'm not saying you won't have some success. You may even have lasting success. But I am saying that you will not fulfill your true potential. I sincerely believe that most of the people in network marketing that are are making a strong six-figure income uh, should be making 10 times the amount of money that they make for the time, energy, and effort they put in. But the reason they didn't is because they were bull in China closet, bull in China closet, proactive. They, they talked all the time, communicated, excited, turned on. It's, it's fascinating to me that most leaders, while there's six different personality types at the top of every network marketing company, which I've talked about before, the majority are dominant child. And you've heard me probably talk about that dominant child, adult or parent. And getting smarter. So, you know, I work hard. I get that. Work hard. Work hard, but work smart. Work hard and work smart. If you can work hard and work smart and understand that the real product is people and you got to help people get what they want, you can seek totus. You can have anything in life you want if you what help other other people get what they want not do what's easy for you to do because if it's easy for you to do it's probably not easy for other people to do how do you help people have a breakout how do they get to the next level it's by sharing wisdom with them truth truth and wisdom will set people free somebody said the truth will set you free but sometimes it's going to piss you off first and that's so true. When people are confronted with truth, with wisdom, with reality, many times it's upsetting because of their paradigms, their belief structures, their limiting beliefs. Uh, the truth will make, make you accept responsibility. And most people don't like that. And so I, I was talking to a friend of mine before uh, I recorded this ending. I'll just share this with you and I'll let you go. And he said, and I told him about Richard Nyhart and he knew who Richard was because he had met him with us years ago. And I talked to him about the bridge money story that I started session one with. And he said, Dale, that was when nobody knew what bridge money was. I said, no. He said, Dale, why do you keep talking about all this stuff? He said, because look, everybody that ever hears your podcast that has accepted bridge money, you immediately pissed them off. You immediately got them upset when you said that. He said, if you would just monitor what you would say and learn to be politically correct within the network marketing. He said, why weren't you at the event in Vegas? There was a huge event with all the gurus and all the people in Vegas. Well, you should have been there. You should have been rubbing. And it's like, I don't live in that world. I have no desire to be part of that world. 
I cannot not say what I know in my heart and soul to be true. I'm not, I'm not in Vegas looking for my next bridge money deal from, an, from a naive company owner that doesn't know better. And he said, Dale, you got, you got to quit saying that kind of stuff. You piss people off. So look, here's what I've always believed. If the shoe fits, wear it. If the shoe fits, wear it. See, I can't control how people react. To what I say, I can only control the only person in the world, and it's challenging enough, is the person staring me back in the mirror. That's it. That's all of us. I'll take care of me for you. You take care of you for me. And as I've said multiple times, very outspoken about, the industry has not taken care of the industry for the industry. We've allowed people to propagate propaganda throughout this industry and share a lot of ideas that we all know are bogus. And we all know the people that are daily telling people exactly what they wanted to hear, what the masses want to hear because they don't know any better. They're telling them what they want to hear so they can sell them what they want to sell them. And there's a lot of great people over the last 15 years that have entered and left this industry never to return because as a profession, we allowed it. We allowed it. I bet it every person I've ever put in front of our organization, every single one. And everybody can talk the talk, but how many have walked the walk? And, you know, we had Jim Rohn, John Maxwell, Les Brown, Billy Riggs, and other people in front of our organization. And, of course, the great Richard Nyhart. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this session. I hope you enjoyed just wisdom and truth when you hear it because it, it, was, it comes out of Richard's mouth every time he opened it. Uh, I miss him. Uh, the industry misses him. And there's people that never had the opportunity to hear him that I hope appreciate uh, the talk you've just heard from Richard Nyhart, the one and only, a true, true wisdom of the ages speaker, a great human being that is truly missed when he shared with you the wisdom of making sure your people have strong, will not be denied reasons for doing the business, and then a system to plug in and follow to make those reasons a reality. This is Dale Calvert. We'll talk to you next week on another session of the Enough Love Network Marketing Leadership Development Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the No Fluff MLM Leadership Training Podcast. To download the show notes for this episode, you can find them under the podcast section at www.mlmhelp.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, the teaching is in the words, but the learning is in the silence.